Welcome back to the Up and Under Podcast Network. I am your host, Harris Rubenstein. Across from me is my co-host, Michael Maxey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut episode. Oh, goodness, Michael, I am so excited. Welcome to the debut episode of our NBA Draft Podcast, the Tanking Support Group, where it is okay to win 10 games a year, it is okay to lose 70, and always get the number one pick. Michael, how you doing? Welcome to the pod. How are you, Harris? Uh, nothing like uh, celebrating teams uh, winning uh, as little as possible. I love it. It's it's the, in my opinion, at least the, there's always a fun times, you know, go after the teams that are really good and to follow the championship hunt, but covering the draft across in every single sport to me is 50% of the fun. Cause you gotta be, have good teams, but the teams who suck are always the most fun. Cause it's always what could happen next. I, I agree with you. I, I, and then, you know, what? I just love looking towards the draft, even months, ahead, months ahead, just, uh, trying to predict who's going to tank even more and get the number one pick. It's, it's fun to me. I get it. I get a kick out of it. And the best part about this year, Michael, we are, we are blessed. We are blessed this year. And in, in the, the year of 2019 with what has to be one of the most fun NBA draft classes, maybe at least in my lifetime, you know, I, I, you're a little older than I am, but it's just with Zion, with RJ Barrett, John Morton coming out of nowhere this year. And then, kind of after the top five, it's just an array of really talented players that nobody really knows what to do with. But the, the amount of talent in this year's draft to me is so, so exciting. I think you're right about that. I think the talent is just uh, – first round is going to be filled with talent. I mean, you're only going to get a couple guys at the top that are going to be, I think, superstars. But you're going to get a lot of starters in this draft. It's it's. I think from about four on, this draft is pretty close for mm-hmm. probably in the 20s someplace. So, Michael, there's there's probably not a better way to to launch our podcast today. We're going to do – each of us are going to give our top five po- uh, prospects for this upcoming draft because the top four is, is kind of a shuffling of the same four guys, and then number five, I'm sure we'll have two different dudes. And then after that, we're going to kind of do a best fit, worst fit because as talented as any player in the NBA is, you and I both know – it, it is all about fit at the end of the day. Thomas Robinson, if he ended up on any team that wasn't the Kings, might have ended up being a legitimate player. But he oh, ended exactly. up on the Kings, who had six power forwards, and that didn't work out too well. Exactly. It, it's it's crazy how a guy like Noah Vonley, who was, uh, who was shuffled around, is now starting. So, it, yes, it's it's definitely crazy. Fit is definitely perfect. For, so, uh, Michael, I'm going to... I'm gonna let you start with one through five. I'll I'll let you kind of do your thing. I'll interject here and there, but I want to hear your top five. This is a this is an intro for me too because I've yet to see a lot of your stuff this year. So we're all learning at the same time. I'm very excited. Well, uh, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I'm not very conventional. Obviously, my top top guy is going to be Zion Williamson. I think that uh, he's hands down the best. Uh, athlete in this draft i'm not 100 sure he's going to be the best player nba player in this draft but uh you can't pass this guy he's just he's just a beast he's like 285 pounds of muscle and athleticism we've never seen anything like this before i mean uh, lebron james was a one of a kind this guy's a different one of a kind i think i think zion williamson the, the sky's the limit for this guy and, and i think if he gets a develops a jump shot man look out um obviously number two rj barrett I just think R.J. Barrett's three-point shots finally started to come around. He's become much more of a distributor. He's been able to uh, uh, 
get a lot of rebounds in Duke. And uh, when Trey uh, when Trey uh, Jones was out, he was able to run some point. So I think he's just so versatile. Uh, I really I really like R.J. Barrett at number two. Number three is obviously everyone's uh, surprise, and that's John Morant. I think John Morant, uh, he's like the point guard version of Zion Williamson. He just is athletic up the wazoo. He just likes to get to, um, you know, get to the basket and just throw down monstrous dunks. But he's more than that. He's improved his jump shot. He's definitely um, uh, a, a more of a point guard. Uh, he's not. He's kind of Russell Westbrook like. He's going to be able to uh, get a lot of assists. I was about to ask what your your comp for him was going to be, and everyone keeps saying Russell Westbrook, but. The 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 problem that people kind of come at when they do this John Moore and Russell Westbrook thing, we're talking about Russell Westbrook when he came out of UCLA, not 29-year-old now built like a tank Russell Westbrook. You go look at him when he came out of UCLA, he didn't have the muscles that he has today. He was actually a much skinnier dude. So the the size comp is there, but people obviously are a little more obsessed with the triple double monster that I, is I Russell think, Westbrook now. Yeah, I think more um I'm not really looking I'm more looking at his game is Russell Westbrook like um obviously college to pro it's a different little bit of a um uh, transition but I think he's I think he's got a chance to be that type of player and and I have a couple teams I would love to see him go to um f- reluctantly at 4 I have Cam Reddish and the is, <laughs> reluctantly oh no <laughs> the reason is is I think he is so talented but he gets so overshadowed at Duke that I'm I'm confused on where I think his stock is. Sometimes I think it's high. Sometimes I think it's low. So I go back and forth with with uh, with Cam Reddish. I think if he goes to the right situation, I um, I think he could definitely flourish. Uh, number five is probably where everyone is uh, shocked. I think um, mine is uh, DeAndre Hunter from uh, Virginia. Oh, interesting. I just think that I think he's a Kawhi. Leonard clone. I think he's got every chance to be the defensive player that Kawhi Leonard is. And uh, if he can improve his offensive game, he could be that type of player. So I got him number five, but like I said, five, you know how it is. Five is ever changing. Every time I watch a different Mm -hmm. college basketball game, five, number five changes. So that's my top five. So I like it. I like it. That's That's a good top five. My, my one through four is, is the same as yours. And Kind of a couple of quips on a couple of these dudes. I, I want to talk about Zion more than I do RJ because RJ Barrett to me is going to come into the NBA. He's going to average like 18, six and four for his entire career. Maybe he'll peak around like 22 to 23 points per game. He, he's going to be just a consistent NBA player that's here for 15 years. He's he's going to be like Chris Middleton. He's just going to be in the NBA, make a couple all star games. He's going to be around for a while, but I don't see the superstar potential, but right. Zion is when is the last I know people will point at LeBron when's the last time we had a college prospect like him like people people pointed Anthony Davis to me as someone who had as much hype as Zion did but I mean I guess Anthony Davis was getting Bill Russell comparisons when he came out if I right didn't he get Bill Russell comps when he came out I think so he he was definitely any any big man that was anything Anthony Davis was getting those comps. So Davis was because remember Davis in college wasn't so much like he had the scoring. I remember when Davis was at Kentucky, the shot blocking was just outrageous. Yeah. I think he averaged like over five a game or something in college. It was nuts. He blocked everything. And then now you look at with Zion, he's just a whole different monster. Cause when AD was coming out, the league was in a much different place. Zion Williamson right now, 
is would be the heaviest dude in the NBA. I know that's crazy. It's and absolutely he's crazy. Eighteen. I get it. It's 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 insane. I I can't I can't I can't get over that guy. I think one of the funniest things also about him, and this kind of is one of my big, uh, well, not big rants, one of my annoyances that I have with the draft process is that when people draft players, they give them like three years and then think they're finished products. It's like Kyle Kuzma. People think that just because Kyle Kuzma's 23 that he's done growing, but that's not true. By the time he's 26, he's going to be an improved player. But Zion is 18. He's already putting up what has had to be efficiency-wise, not total points-wise, efficiency-wise, he's putting up one of the best college seasons ever. That's oh, yeah. what people don't realize. Oh no, and you know, I've been I've been reluctant because I'm I love RJ Barrett. I just I didn't like him originally, and then he something happened. He kind of grew on me, so I was very stubborn to put Zion ahead of him. And when I finally made that move, and I just started looking at his efficiency, and and he is just so much more efficient than any player on Duke's roster. Possibly, like you said, in the college history, he's just, it's its ridiculous. He shoots at what? It's got to be high 60s, 70%. He's a rebounding machine. He gets offensive rebounds, putbacks. Yeah, he is, yeah, his efficiency numbers have got to be through the roof. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they got to be crazy. I remember when uh, a couple years ago when Andrew Wiggins came out, that I remember he was he was all hype. Like Wiggins was all hype. He was the Canadian LeBron. He was all that. And he came into Kansas and you know everyone watched and we're like, "Yeah, this kid can play." But I mean, between you and me, Michael, there's a reason why Joel Embiid got the most attention on that team and it wasn't Wiggins. Like Wiggins never blew up in at Kansas like people thought he did. But no. Zion with all this hype I don't remember a prospect having this much hype going into college, not even just living up to it. He has exceeded the hype. He is better than what people thought he was going to be. I didn't even think that was possible, but he is. Oh yeah. He's better. He's, you know, and, and the funny thing is, is uh, my in-laws live down in South Carolina and they've been talking about him since he was a junior in high school. They're like, have you seen this kid? Uh, Zion Williamson, he's like one town over from them down in South Carolina. And I just saw him from his dunks. I mean, his dunks were viral. That's all I that's all I knew of him. And then I, I started watching him his senior year and I holy cow, this guy is something. And I, I'm I was surprised he went to Duke because of all the talent that was at Duke. I was like, how is he gonna stand out at Duke with all that talent? But oh my goodness, that was the best decision he could have made. My biggest worry with him, though, because, you know, we can lavish him with play, uh, with praise all day long. My, my biggest concern for him in the NBA is going to end up being his defense. I'm worried he's too built like a guy like his body type to me is very similar to a guy like a Julius Randle, who's just very thick in his lower body. And, and obviously he's got, you know, pretty massive shoulders, too. But the the lateral quickness just never really got there for Julius Randle. And I'm worried that Zion, you know, he can block everyone's shot into the fifth row in college, but I'm worried that he's going to struggle against the, the Blake Griffins of the world. If he's in the Eastern conference or the Kevin loves, like I'm just worried. He's not going to have the quickness that these other guys have on the defensive side of the ball. That's my biggest concern with him right now. I, I would agree with you. I, I, that that's position, what position he plays. And I know offensively, the positions haven't really, they're not as big of a, a, a problem now, but defensively, if he's going to have to play, like more of a four. He's going to be going against these stretch fours, 
some of these are quick. A lot of teams are playing like two small forwards now uh, on the front line. So you're right. A lot of the NBA teams are playing quicker lineups. They're playing faster lineups. And I think that you're right. His lateral quickness, whether he's going to be able to come back, how fast he can switch, stuff like that is going to be uh, imperative for him to really, you know, establish himself in the NBA. And, and right now, I don't think he's there. But then again, when LeBron came in, everyone said his lateral quickness was his weakness too. And the guy should have won a defensive player of the year award at least sometime. You know what I'm saying? At some uh, point for sure. Yeah. So I, I, he's playing against college guys and, he, and his lateral quickness looks fine. It, it's going to be hard to figure out how it's going to develop. Like I said, LeBron, they, that's the first thing my buddy said to me. He goes, LeBron, LeBron can't guard anyone. In I'm like, well, we'll find out. And LeBron was able to guard five positions. So I, I, I think, <laughs> I think, I think Zion's going to be fine. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see if, um, if he's able to shed some weight, maybe, maybe make him a little bit quicker, which is, oh my goodness, that'd be ridiculous. So we'll have to see, you know, you know, how the NBA is, they're going to get him into some kind of a healthy, uh, program, get him shed some mm-hmm. pounds. And, and, so, and so I've been waiting, I've been waiting for such a long time. I've been saving this and I'm, I'm going to unleash it on the world. Okay. I have been scouring ta- old 1980s, 1990s NBA tape, trying to find the correct NBA comp for Zion Williamson. And there, there are a lot of options. Mm-hmm. You got you got your Anthony Masons. You got your Dennis Rodmans. I, you got I, a bunch of different players yeah, that you use, could say. I use the more athletic Rodney Rogers. That's a good one. I, 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 I think I found his comp. Okay. He is Sean Kemp. You know what? That's funny you said that because they just showed some Sean Kemp highlights on SportsCenter like a couple, I don't know, like a week ago. And I was like, yeah, that's him. And not because of the – like obviously the dunking is whatever. Like Sean Kemp is still one of the best dunkers of all time. For me, what kind of convinces me about it, it's just – it's again, it's like what I said with Julius Randle. It's that thick lower body – that no one was able to go through. Like Sean Kemp was a was still a really good defensive player. He never really made too many waves in terms of championships or something. I mean, he played on Seattle for Lord. I mean, almost his uh, almost his entire career, but he was still one of the better defenders in the NBA. And he never averaged he averaged over twenty points once, where he had twenty point five. Right. That's who I think Zion's going to be. Zion's never going to average twenty eight a game. That's not who he is. But he can end up averaging something like. Oh, I don't know, 19 and 13 a night with like six assists. I think he's going to be like a Draymond Green stat stuffer, but be able to average 19 a game. I just don't think he's going to be like an Anthony Davis, Blake Griffin, 26, 27 point per game guy. I don't know if he has that in him. I, I, that's probably accurate. I mean, he, in, in, in what with Duke, he's got no choice. I mean, he's got, he's just putting up point after point after point. You're right. The NBA, he's not going to be able to do that. He's going to, he's going to probably be in the 20, 22 range. You know, you might see that one season where he peaks a little higher, but I think you're right. I think he's going to be a 10 rebound guy, uh, maybe three, four or five assists, but uh, yeah, he, he, he's going to be good either way, but oh, he absolutely. needs to be on the right team. Absolutely. And, and <laughs> don't send him to Cleveland, please, please don't send him to Cleveland. <laughs> Well, they might- don't deserve him, Michael. They don't deserve him. <laughs> they didn't deserve LeBron either, but they got him. Now we th- again. This is a pos- This is a safe space 
for all tanking teams. Exactly. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But this is not a safe space for people who think that the Cavs should get the number one pick again. We've gone through this four times already. They don't deserve it. They screwed it up three times. <laughs> uh, well, they really screwed it up the third time. But yes, they've screwed it. Actually, they didn't really screw it up. They they did. Take- well, they screwed it up. Well, they did. Uh, they, they only screwed it up really once. The other two just did what they did. I mean, what are you going to do? You took the two best players in college, or well, LeBron out of high school. Uh, the last one they really messed up. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a good one. They, that was, yeah. It was not pretty. They, they so, needed mulligan on that one. So that's Zion. We'll 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 end up giving a full profile on RJ Barrett. He's actually not who I want to talk about in this episode. I want to talk about Cam Reddish. Okay. Because he came into this year as everyone he was written in as the number three pick in the draft. Written in behind RJ Barrett and Zion. But right. the more I watch him and the more I try to project his game to the actual NBA, I mean, Michael. He can't shoot at all. He 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 cannot shoot. Like shooting percentage zero. He he can't hit anything from outside the arc. I'm pretty sure this season he's hitting like 36 percent of his shots from the floor. And the funny thing that's is, just not acceptable. He was touted as the best shooter of the bunch. Yeah, and that's just not acceptable. Like he has been one of the worst shooting like five star prospects ever. It's oh. awful. Yeah, I mean, he hit that shot. I, that was Virginia that he beat at home. Uh, but other than that, I, I mean, he's had one for 11. He's been one for nine in games. Uh, and I don't know if it's the pressure of playing with the two studs or what. But, yeah. He, he is pulling off the impossible feat. He is shooting better. Oh, no, excuse me. Sorry. I thought he was shooting better from three than he was his basic field goal percentage, but he's not. He's shooting 36.8% from the floor, and he's shooting 35% from three, averaging 13 points a game. That's crazy. That's crazy. He's, he's got to shoot better tonight. Cause in the, and that's why he's reluctant me, reluctantly my number four. Um. I would like to keep him at number four, but man, well, the tournament's going to decide some things, whether, you know, other guys step up or not. Is he going to get exposed? <laughs> he feels like a guy to me that's going to get exposed in a tournament that like you, you need another, because at some point RJ and Zion are going to have cold games and Reddish and Jones are going to be the guys that Duke look to, to actually make a move. Yeah. I, I don't know if Reddish has that ability like James Young when he was at Kentucky was still able to drop like 18 to 20 a night when they really needed him to I don't know if those dudes are down I don't even know if Red- can Reddish even score that much that's why I would like to see him on a team where he can score or he's given the opportunities but I mean because he, he has not when he gets the opportunities at Duke he, I, from all I know he's hit one big shot all season uh, he's been he's he has struggled. scored over 20 points five times this year yeah because i remember there's a couple games 22 games where all three of them scored over 20 um but you know i mean he he should be he should be able to be a catch and shoot kind of guy he should be able to uh create off the dribble i haven't seen really any of that uh i don't know if that's uh trey jones not helping him by giving him any you know good passes or and and i would i Highly doubt that's the problem because Trey Jones is a stellar point guard, but I don't know. I don't know what his problem is. But his, you're right. His field goal percentage is awful. I've watched a lot of Duke. Actually, everyone's watched a lot of Duke. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's got it. He's got to get that up. Or or yeah, you're right. He, I think he could fall 
That's why I reluctantly have him at four. I, I'm just worried that he's going to get picked by a team. Let's say, like, let's say number four, he goes to like the Chicago Bulls or something. I just see Cam Reddish just flaming out in four years and ending up being a bench player. I see him flaming out like in Atlanta. Ooh. I mean, oh, don't curse him like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I like what Atlanta's doing, but, you know, I, <laughs> it's crazy. But you never gave me your number five. Oh, that's true. Okay. So I, I've tried to stick to my guns with this one because a big part of the NBA draft, at least analyzing it for me, is just it's about where the league currently is and where it is going. For okay. me, my number five prospect, I'm sticking to my guns on this. They, the team sucks, but he does not. It is Romeo Langford. <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know what is up with his three point shot. I don't understand it. He's like through high school to college. Now he's a career 30% three point shooter. Yet he shoots like 50% on two point shots. I don't know who the hell is training this kid. Teach him how to shoot threes, please. Please teach uh, him how to shoot threes. Yeah. I'm a big Romeo Langford fan. Um, I'm just. I'm just a little, I would like to see him take over a game and, and, and I don't know if he's got that ability. And if I'm taking a top five player, I want my player to be able to top my player to be able to take over, uh, you know, a game. And right now I'm having struggle with my fit. That's why DeAndre Hunter is my fit. I've been, I've had Jared Culver there. I've had Romeo Langford there. I've had Nasir Little there. I've had so many players there. There's Gar it would have been Darius Garland for me if he uh, didn't get hurt. You're probably right. You're probably right. It would have probably been Darius Garland for me too. He's I think he's a stud and I hope that he comes back stronger after his injury. But my problem with Romeo Langford, and I watched a game against Iowa pretty extensively, is I just don't see him take over. Yeah, he's he's a nice player. Yeah, he does some things good. But um I did hear a stat that like he's like leads to college basketball and like finishing at the rim or something. Yes. So, so that that's my thing with him. So he he to me, this is a weird comp. So stick with me here. Wait, mm -hmm. wait, wait on me have this comp. He to me is another version of Jeff Green. Cause I think when people think of Lankford and they think of the shooting guard position, they instantly think size wise like six two or six three. Mm -hmm. Lankford is six six, right? Two hundred fifteen pounds. He is a big dude. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, you, you mentioned he's a great finisher at the rim. Right. He is an outstanding defender. And yeah. I think when you combine the size, the finishing ability, he's an 80% free throw shooter, and he's a great defensive player. It, if Michael Kidd Gilchrist can be drafted in the top five, then so can Romeo Langford. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, that was a mistake. <laughs> Uh, yes. So I'm putting Langford at number five. I just think some team is going to fall in love with his length, his athleticism, and his finishing ability as they do every single year in the draft. It happens all the time. They love length, they love defense, and they love finishing. And his three-point shooting can only get better. It literally can't get worse. So I think he'd be a good project. I'm with you on that. I, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of teams, once they get these players in, they start working on their shots a lot. and. They get they get better, but uh, yeah. My problem with this draft is there's a lot of guys who don't take over. You know, like like for instance, Kobe White, who's probably a, a you know what a top twenty player, top wildly underrated. Oh my, he's good. gonna be a good NBA player. I think so too. He took over a game the other night. Took over the game. 
at 30 some I, points. I love that him him and his brother. I love the whole twins thing. I think that's great. Oh, I know. But I mean, like, like so he took over a game for Carolina, right? And um I think um uh I think Langford, I wish he had that ability, you know. Um I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Jared Culver. I am in love with Jared Culver's game. I'm in love with his length. I think he looks like Tracy McGrady on the basketball court. But he doesn't. Ooh, that's a good comp. But he doesn't take over basketball games. And Texas Tech needs him to take over basketball games. He doesn't do it. You know, for, for as important as taking over games are, I just want to throw y'all back to when Michael Beasley was taking third overall. And all he was doing was taking over games that's for Kansas State. And it didn't actually do him too well in the NBA, though. I will say this. Point. For all the Michael Beasley hate out there, that dude has made like a 14-year NBA career despite being a massive bust at number three overall. I don't know how he pulled off both. Uh, dude, <laughs> I don't know either. And he was projected to be number one until Derek, yeah. until the tournament. And then Derrick Rose uh, became uh, the top prospect. Mm-hmm. So I, Michael Beasley, you're right. He is still going in. Although he's not, I think he's unemployed right now, but. <laughs> he just got waved. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm with you though about the number five guy after the top four because there's just so many different options. Like you could go com- like a hundred percent raw potential and draft a Nasir Little from North Carolina. You could take a gamble on an injured player and go Darius Garland or Bull Bull. You could even go international and take a uh, Seku Dumbia, who I always think I'm saying his name wrong. Like there's just so many different options, which is why the tournament is going to be so huge this year. I mean, hell if Jackson Hayes goes off for Texas, who's to say that he's not the fifth pick. I know. And a lot of people are giving him some love and I, I, I'm not there yet. Um, I would like to see more of him. Apparently uh, I don't get uh, see much Texas, but uh, I, he's a nice player. He's long reminds me a little bit of Jared Allen, but um, it's just uh yeah, he's getting a lot of love. So you're right. I could see a lot of someone falling in love with him. I don't know about five, but definitely up high. And then last, last one other dude I wanted to th- uh, name. I wanted to throw at you, and then we'll 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 go over to our best fit, worst fit. Okay. You know, and you you know that they're gonna do it. At some point, some draft analyst after the tournament is gonna put Kevin Porter Jr. in the top five. I they're would, gonna do it. Absolutely, I would not ever in a million years put Kevin Porter in the top five. Any one of but my someone's teams. gonna do it, and it's gonna make me mad. Yes, because how can you give a guy who in the top five who hasn't hardly played, and when he plays, he's not been very good? Do you know who he is? He's Gerald Green. He's all athletic. He's 100% athleticism. Whenever I watch him play basketball, I say the same thing I did when I watched Gerald Green. This guy has no clue what he's doing. He's just more athletic than everyone else on the court. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's he's a, a very good athlete. He's His shot seems off a little bit. I don't know what he's doing. He's not getting when – co- when a college coach doesn't give you many minutes, I start to question – you know, I start to question what's what's going on there. You know, mm-hmm. agreed. So, uh, I'm not sure exactly what uh, what uh, Kevin Porter's uh, high um, you know ceiling is, but I, I, you, you're right. I could see I, I could see him going in the top ten. Uh, the the experts that are at ESPN they already have him in the top ten, which is mm-hmm. crazy. But I don't I, I don't get those two dudes. <laughs> So perfect. So top five for both of us. Mine, number one, obviously, is Zion. Number two, RJ Barrett. 
Number three, John Morant. Number four, Cam Reddish. And number five, at least for me, is Romeo Langford and Michaels. The same top four. And then your number five. Who's your number five again? DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter from Virginia. One thing about that Virginia Duke game before, uh, last thing. One more Zion compliment. Okay. That block that he had, most of the time when people make blocks like that, they just kind of like tip the ball and it goes up and someone gets a rebound. He blocked that sucker like five rows back. I know. And it, the and the way he did it, it's just he launched from I don't know. He he launched from someplace. It was not he wasn't even close to it. It's crazy. It was a volleyball he, spike. It was. And then not only that, he um uh, DeAndre Hunter, he kind of he kind of I don't want to say he fumbled the ball, but he didn't go into his rotation fast enough and and it just allowed Zion to get there. He paid for it. <laughs> yeah, he did. Sure. He's, I mean, you're looking at a top 10 pick who uh, who possibly uh, just got his stuff swatted by, you know, the number one pick. So I, that was pretty cool. All right. So let's do our next segment here. Again, thank you guys for listening to the tanking support group. I'm Harris Rubenstein. This is Michael Maxey along with me. We're with you from the Up and Under NBA Podcast Network. Michael, it is now time for a game I like to play, best fit, worst fit. So we're going to go through the bottom five teams in the NBA draft right now, which if you are curious for the people at home, obviously we are recording this on Monday, February 11th to be released tomorrow. The bottom five teams in the NBA are as such. At the very bottom, you have the Cleveland Cavaliers, or excuse me, yes, the New York Knicks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Phoenix Suns are your bottom three teams. Chicago Bulls are fourth, and the Atlanta Hawks are fifth. Correct. So we'll start. We'll go player, and we'll say which team is best fit, worst fit for them. Okay. Let's start with Zion. Which team do you think is the best fit for him going into the NBA? Um, best fit, I'm going to say Phoenix. Ooh. I think you need to trade Josh Jackson for a legit point guard, and you need to put Zion, Mikhail Bridges on the front line with Devin Booker and your new point guard in the backcourt, and Aiton up front. Oh, I would love it. That's beautiful. I actually didn't think about that because if you have Josh Jackson in there, it's not nearly as pretty because that that dude's bad. But if you swap out Jackson for like a TJ Warren and give them a good point guard, I like that. Wait, they also have two first-round picks this year. I wonder if they snag Trey Jones also. That would be great. Uh, that would be great. I think Trey Jones would go in there right away and start. I can't believe they traded for Tyler Johnson. Like, he's a point guard. That, that's crazy. I, so, Phoenix for me, best – Yeah, Phoenix definitely needs help. Like, they, they – and do you know what the best thing about Zion also would be for Phoenix? He would also supply them with – not not a ball handler per se, but another distributor. Like Zion loves passing. He's also damn good at it. So he he would actually be a pretty good fit. I like that. I like Phoenix. Aiton and him would be nuts. Oh, I know. All right. Best fit for me for Zion. I still think it has to be the Knicks, mostly because it's fun to attach cities to players. Like it was fun to obviously attach LeBron to the, you know, to to Cleveland. It was fun to attach D Wade to Miami. I think Zion in New York is just perfect. Absolutely. I, I don't think you could have a better marriage of a player in a city. Just the hype, the lights, the dunking, Madison Square Garden. Like getting it, it reminds me of, of when Patrick Ewing went to the Knicks. Like just the, obviously that was collusion and you know the 
NBA obviously gave Patrick Ewing to the Knicks, but yeah. this is the same thing to me here where it's just player to team along with the fit too. I mean, if, unless they trade the house for Anthony Davis, I mean, next year they'd have Dennis Smith Jr. You pick up a shooting guard, Ke- Kevin Knox, Zion, and Mitchell Robinson as a nice you know, young starting five. Maybe they pick up Durant. Maybe they pick up Jimmy Butler or a Kemba Walker, somebody. But Zion next to Mitchell Robinson and Kevin Knox, I don't think they should trade either of those dudes. Neither Just grow them. Absolutely. Turn them into great players. I, I like the New York fit too. I really do. New York was it was a, it was a tough one between New York and Phoenix, but uh, I think everyone's just assuming he's going to New York. It, they've already said that he's going to New York. I mean, everyone's made up their mind Zion's going to New York. So I just thought it'd be different because I would love to see him in Phoenix. So here's a question for you. Here, here's a question about Zion before we get to the worst fit. Okay. If the Suns get the number one overall pick, again, do the Knicks offer – how many first-round picks do the Knicks offer the Suns to get number one? Uh, whatever they just acquired in a swap, um, it would be a lot. I don't think Phoenix would even bite. I, I think who, I think number one, I think is going to be uh, whoever gets number one is going to stay there. If you're if you're the Suns and you have number one, and the Knicks come calling, and they are if they if the Knicks offer you their number one pick, obviously their number one pick next year, and Dennis Smith Jr. And another pick, would you do that for Zion? I would. I'm not sure Phoenix would. I would definitely do that. Absolutely. You could have your point guard in Smith. You could have a boatload of picks. Yeah, I would do it. Plus R.J. Barrett. Plus R.J. Barrett. Absolutely. It's not bad. Worst fit for Zion, by the way. This one's an easy one for me. I think we're going to agree with it. I'm going to say Cleveland. Oh, really? Yeah. I was. I actually think Chicago is going to be an awful fit for him. Oh, really? Because at least in Cleveland, he has somewhere to play. Yeah. No, you're right. He he does have some place to play. I just think that. Um, I just think the pressure of being LeBron 2.0 is not a good fit for him. That's fair. That's, that's a good that's point. my only thing. But like roster wise, oh yeah. I mean, they'll just move. Kevin Love the center, or I don't know what position. I would love a four or five game down low between Zion and Kevin Love. Right. I would love that. Be because not not only would it be a great combo, be a great person for Zion to learn from in the NBA. Absolutely, absolutely. I um, I I definitely understand a Bulls roster wise is not conducive for Zion Williamson coming in because uh, they just grabbed Otto Porter. They just and they got Laurie Markkinen. Someone's gonna have to go to the bench. You know, they got Wendell Carter Jr. So Zion, yeah. Zion's probably a bench player there. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Dude, only Gar Pax would draft Zion and put him on the bench. And I I I am so confident they would bench him. They would totally play Otto Porter and you know Wendell Carter over Zion. Well, I, I think they would probably try to make Zion a small forward and probably move harder to All the right, bench. Let's do but yes. Let's do best fit for RJ Barrett. Best fit for RJ Barrett. This one's tough. I th- this is where the the RJ Barrett train kind of screeches to a halt to me. There's not many I, great fits for him in the top five. That's the problem. I think his best fit Cleveland. is Cleveland. Yes, I'm going to say yeah. Cleveland too. I, I I really do because they're going to have wing spots. Both wing spots are going to be open. Um, uh, the, you know, maybe in New York he could be the starting two guard. You know, but um, yeah, I think Cleveland's probably the uh, Cleveland. Colin Sexton 
is a damn good player, I think, to put next to him also. Oh, absolutely. I think I think Barrett might have a problem in the NBA. And again, this this might just be conjecture. I could be totally wrong. I if you send Barrett to a kind of a sorry franchise like the Cavs, I think he might need a franchise or just players around him that might give him a kick in the ass. I think having a guy like Sexton next to him for such a long time might end up doing that. I don't know. I, I kind of like the combo. I think the Sexton two also would take a lot of pressure off him because Sexton is Sexton's become quite the the little firebug of a of an offensive player recently, and I I just think that um, you know RJ Barrett would be able to play off of that very well. Um, I'm assuming either at the two or the three. It, it, I just think it would be a, pr- a pretty good fit. You know, if they could put another shooter at the other wing spot, uh, maybe Cleveland's got something to build on. Worst fit. Uh, worst fit for R.J. Barrett. Let's see. I'm going to probably say Bulls. Ooh, the Bulls. That's interesting. Yeah, I just, I just think that, like I said, the Bulls are they're they're kind of. I mean, Zach Levine. They're locked into long term. They're probably going to be locked into long term on Otto Porter. If that's the case, then I mean, it's if it, if they grab Zion, they might move one of them to the bench, but not um, not R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett is is not going to. Uh, unseat one of those guys i mean he's gonna be a bench player in, in chicago in my opinion i think rj barrett's worst landing spot is atlanta oh that's possible i just i just don't think that a combination of him and trey young is going to be long-term effective because if you're the hawks you need to build around trey young you don't need to build around rj barrett because you already have trey young but they already have a guy at the two in Kevin Herter who's a perfect combo next to Trey Young. The two of them just pass back and forth between each other and shoot threes. And then I like who they have at the three in Tari and Prince. I just – R.J. Barrett needs to end up in Cleveland with Colin Sexton. That's just kind of where the story begins and ends. <laughs> I mean, I would be fine with it. I would. I really would be fine with it um, if he ended up in Cleveland because I think that would be just a perfect fit. I really do. Here's another perfect fit. John Morant, best fit, easy. Chicago Bulls. Chicago. Yes. Yep. Yes. Easy. Would, easy Chicago I'm with you on that. I am, I'm with you at that. Just bring some explosion back to that arena. A point guard who can run the show, run the franchise. I think he's an amazing combo with uh, with with the likes of uh, with Wendell Carter Jr. I was about to call him Al Horford because that's basically who he, he is. is. Very Give him Laurie, too. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll actually win some games. Uh, wow, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think Morant would just bring such athleticism. Could you imagine those two uh, in the backcourt, him and Levine, just dunking, just driving by everyone and dunking? That'd be awesome, you know. And then you have Wendell Carter uh, and and Otto Porter playing defense, <laughs> and then you got Larry shooting threes. I, I that I don't want to say it would be bad if they didn't get Zion, but I'm not saying that it would be bad if they didn't get Zion, but if they ended up with the second pick, I would take Morant. I would too. And I think also his playmaking ability would be perfect for them because not only is he an outrageous scorer, what he's able to do with the ball in his hands or even playing off ball, the dude just is always in the right place at the right time. Now, again, he is playing for Murray state. So his competition isn't always going to be the best, but he, the guy just makes plays. Absolutely. Absolutely, he does. And he's, 
he's uh he's definitely what the Bulls need because Chris Dunn is not a playmaker. I know he had nine assists the other night. Nah, I'm not he had nine assists the other night. Um, and, and you know, I know he's a playmaker. I have a my, my brother-in-law went to high school with Chris Dunn, so I kind of I kind of been rooting for him. But he, I just don't think he's a starting NBA point guard. I really don't. But but Chris Dunn would be perfect as a backup behind Mort because then if you wanted to go small, you could take out like a Wendell Carter Jr. or Laurie and then slot in Chris Dunn, push Mort over to the two, and now all of a sudden you just have someone feeding Mort shots. Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. That that was a slam dunk on what was the best fit for him. A slam dunk. Worst pick. Uh worst pick or worst, worst fit. Finish. I would probably say I would probably say the Knicks or Cleveland. Yeah. The Knicks are Cleveland. Actually, Knicks, Cleveland, or Atlanta. All of them are pretty bad. <laughs> um, I think the Knicks, because I think the Knicks are going to, even though they like Dennis Smith Jr., I think they're going to go after a free agent point guard. So I, I just don't oh, for think sure. that they're going to want to draft another point guard. It just doesn't seem plus feasible. You can't really have, can you have Dennis Smith Jr. and John Moran on the same team and win Pro- games? Probably I, I just not. don't think probably you can. Not. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the Dennis Smith Jr. is kind of like the the bizarro uh, John Morton in a lot of ways where the dunking is still there. He just can't shoot at all. So he's just got the playmaking and the dunking, but not the shooting. And it, you can just tell there's just a piece missing to Dennis Smith Jr.'s game. And John Morton just kind of wraps it all up with a nice bow yeah. on top. So they're different. They players. definitely are different players. And I, it's... <laughs> It's it's crazy because I'm just like so excited. I wish the draft was tomorrow. I really do because I want Morant <laughs> to. I want him to play with. You know, I mean, another team that he could be a good fit would be Phoenix too because they are point guardless. But um, yep. you're right though. I think Chicago's even better because I think they have pieces around to help Morant better. I think best fit for Cam Reddish. Interesting. It's a tough one. I huh? would probably say Cleveland. Yeah, really. I wanted to do New York, but man, I think it's more Cleveland. Cleveland's got wing opportunities. They got, they don't have really any outside shooting. Uh, they're pretty much traded their outside shooting. J.R. Smith, they sent to I don't know some island someplace. Uh, they sent you know they sent Corver to Utah. Kevin Love's been on the injured list, you know, or he's been on some kind of list. I don't know. He's played one game. He's played <laughs> one game in the last. I don't know. So I, I they need some shooting and. Like we said, we feel Cam Reddish will be a good shooter. We just don't know why it hasn't happened yet. So, for me, that that the the shooting part of it that's going to come through. For me, a guy who's six nine, two oh five, you know, great defender. I would love to see him in Atlanta. I really yeah. would. Maybe you don't start him right away. Maybe you give him a year behind Tari and Prince, but they'll probably end up starting Reddish eventually. Mm-hmm. But think about it, with Reddish at the three now, he's a pretty good kind of counter to Trey Young. He can't shoot, but he's a great defender. He's a pretty outstanding rebounder also for a guy at his position. Absolutely. It's just he can't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> he just can't shoot. I, like I said, I don't I don't get it. He's supposed to be a good shooter. He I haven't seen it yet once. Uh but yes, Atlanta Atlanta's so another good place for him. But but also, if you're Atlanta, too, and you take a guy like Reddish, and you and I both think he has the ability to shoot in the NBA, what better players to put him next to 
than the likes of a John Collins, a Trey Young, and a Kevin Herter. Three guys who are going to take a lot of offensive attention from him, especially outside oh, the yeah. arc. It'll at least give him a little bit more space to knock down some shots at the yeah, NBA I think level. The, the less pressure, the better. Because he was, even though uh, Zion and RJ get all the uh, pressure and build up and Duke, I, I, I think Reddish is still, he's still talked amongst them too. So, yeah, I think that you get him over to Atlanta. That would be another nice play where he doesn't have to do anything but maybe shoot, maybe play some defense. I think that would help him out a lot, especially as a rookie. Worst fit is Phoenix, Phoenix right? Yeah, Phoenix. Absolutely. Isn't he just Josh Jackson 2.0? Uh, I think they the same to... player. Well, I guess Jackson came out of school as like all-time great college defensive player who's just not been no, that guy. I, I, think, uh, I think he's going to be a better shooter than Jackson eventually. Because uh, Jackson's really not a very good shooter. <laughs> That's not uh, hard Jackson's to do. <laughs> a few games where he scored pretty good, but he's not really, I would consider, a good shooter. So, My favorite thing about Summer League this year was watching Josh Jackson try to convince the rest of the NBA that he could shoot now. And just watching him in Summer League shoot like 30% from the floor. Yeah. Was, it, I was laughing so hard watching him play yeah, in the Summer was, League. He was forced it's so an sad. issue. It was, it was not a good sign. <laughs> Let's start with your number okay. five, with DeAndre Hunter. What is your best fit for him? Because now remember, you're you're at five here, so you got to look a little bit a little bit beyond what some of these teams might be. So with our number five player, let's open it up a little bit in terms of teams. Let's open it up to the Grizzlies, the Wizards, and the Magic, along with our original top five. Grizzlies, Magic, and who? Wizards. Okay. The Wizards, yeah. Because at this point, at this point, the Suns, the Knicks. They've, they've- and the Cavs have all, all made, made their picks. picks. Um, yeah. I would probably go Washington just for the fact that they gave up uh, Otto Porter. Um, and I know they got Jamari Parker, but he's more of a four. Um, you know, they traded Kelly Oubre, I think, earlier in, in this, you know, season. So I, um, and I don't know if Hunter's a starter right away, but I think that uh, Washington is going to try to start a different identity coming up this following uh, after John Wall's injury. I think they're going to start remaking their roster and uh what a better place to start with than a defensive stud like hunter i like it what's his worst fit his worst fit i say memphis have you seen memphis's have you seen memphis's uh uh small forwards holy toledo their roster makes no damn like sense small forwards and that's not even counting it is a horribly put not together even team chandler parsons who well he Parsons is apparently coming back to play well, now. They're gonna play him as a four, I bet. Like, but I looked at after the trades, I went and looked at uh, some of the depth charts, and I was like, I'm confused. I really am confused. I don't get it. They just acquire, keep, they keep acquiring wings for some reason. And the guy I like, Dylan Brooks, when he comes back from injury, yeah, he won't play. It's it's crazy. <laughs> All right, I like the Grizzlies as your worst pick for DeAndre Hunter. Let's move over to mine, and then we'll we'll okay. wrap things up here with a nice bow. Let's talk about Romeo Langford's best fit. Best fit for me for him, I think it's probably Memphis. I know we were just talking, crapping all over I him, too. but I think it's Memphis. You too. know, <laughs> it, it, if you're gonna give anyone to play next to Mike Conley, it's gonna be a guy that he can. I mean, I guess you'd want someone who's a little bit better of a drive and kick option for Conley. I just think Langford complements him really well from the two guard spot with his ability to cut to the basket, finish around the rim, 
I think his ability to finish through contact is really impressive. He's a great free throw shooter. You know, he kind of reminds me of like the shooting guard version of Mike Conley when Conley came out of Ohio State. When Conley came out of Ohio State, he wasn't in he wasn't a great shooter from three. But the longer he stayed in the NBA, the better he got. And eventually now he's like a 38% three-point shooter. 100% because I was not a big fan of Conley going number four either. Um, so it, that comparison is really good because I think, like you said, Romeo Langford's probably going to go higher than most people have him. Like you have him five, but you're like abnormal in that sense with uh, with that. But um, I like that. I like mm -hmm. him playing with Conley. I think there could be some familiarity there. I think they'll have a – man – They'll have a nice little one-two punch if Conley is still there. Yeah, Conley in his first year in the NBA, he only he played like 50 games. He only averaged like nine points. He shot 33% from the field, but he never shot more than three threes a game until 2013 when he started shooting four, and he shot 36%. So he definitely got better. I just think Langford's going to do the same. Worst fits that's, easy. I, I that's an easy Washington. It's it, yeah, it's the yeah, Wizards. He's not playing. He's not playing ahead of Beal. There's no doubt. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And also, there, there are a couple of people I was reading. You know, I, I traversed the NBA college or the NBA Reddit's and the college basketball Reddit's. People were wondering if Lankford would play more three in the NBA. And I want we here here at the tanking support group, we believe in positional versatility. We believe that there's no such thing as the two or the three. And if you can play the wing, you can play the wing. There's wing bigs and guards. That's, That's all there is in basketball it now. It's not positionless. It's just wings, bigs, and guards. And there's no more perfect player that personifies that than this year with John Mort being a guard, Zion being a big, and Romeo Langford being a wing. Same thing with R.J. Barrett. He is not a guard. He's not a shooting guard. He is a wing. So Langford, to me, can play the three. I just think that he's not going to get enough playing time in Washington with Beal. And I just think Memphis with Mike Conley, unless they trade him this offseason, which they probably won't because they're an awful yeah, run team. Trade him either. But if they do trade Conley, all of a sudden you're building around Romeo Langford and Jaron Jackson exactly. Jr. Nope. It's not I'm, bad. I'm okay with that. I'll take that. I'm definitely okay it. with that. It's not bad. All right. So that's best fit, worst fit. We did it. We did it, Michael. We have official top five out there. Yeah. It's beautiful. It was fantastic. So we will be back with you guys every single Tuesday. We'll be giving you all the greatest NBA draft content you'll have. We'll have people on. We'll get some prospective draft players on here as well. We're going to try to pull up the stops for you guys this year. Also make sure to go tune in to the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports network, who's also sponsoring our show. We will be brought to you by both Up and Under and Believe Podcast all year long. So I want to thank that network for, for coming along with us this year. And of course, to our friends at Up and Under who are letting us launch this today. Michael, any last words before we give no, them the I week? No, I can't wait for the draft. Absolutely, buddy. All right, guys, we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to episode one. You guys are listening to the Tanking Support Group. Just remember, winning 12 games a year, it's not all that bad. Praise be to you, Sam Henke. We'll see you all next week.